the outlier gentleman. Oh, yes, hello. Oh, Put on your spontaneous hat and also your spo yeah. spontaneous shorts. Promiseapparel.com. <laughs> and we only had like fucking three butlers when I wanted four. Just gonna hold fast forward and gyrate. Disgusting. Also, continue. <laughs> you come into my home and place. <laughs> I don't know. I thought I had something witty there and I didn't. We need something musical. I want to feel it day <laughs> and night. I want to pump Tim better. <laughs> Can I just say Eskimo Cowboy is like one of God's gifts to music as of late. I've been listening to Pump It a lot. And the acoustic version is like somehow like inspirational. They took a song about like pumping iron and made it like almost inspirational. <laughs> Respect to that. So like pump yourself mentally. <laughs> when you're pumping weights, you're actually making your like mental health stronger. And I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. But so Eric, you and I were just talking. We got deep. We, we were talking as we, men. We, we were talking upstairs. And, as men about men's shit. You know, Eric and I are both... I, I, I classify myself as a musician. Eric actually lives the life. I just play one on TV. That's um, that's a stretch. <laughs> what the fuck ever. That's another story for another day. <laughs> well... Harmonics make me sound more introspective. <laughs> but... We started a we started a really good discussion. I wanted to record, and Tim wanted to record immediately. Okay, so Eric, you and I were upstairs. We were talking about Killswitch Engage, one of our favorite bands. We were talking about you know Howard Jones, and Scion, and him and Jared Dines, and like you know, you and I have had this conversation multiple times. Yeah, where you know you like Jesse as the head, you know, the front man for KSE. He's the original. I think he's okay, but, like, Howard is, like... Howard just kind of took over KSE and just never looked back, in my opinion. That's a valid opinion. But, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to talk about this. We're going to have this on record. Something that you and I, for once, do not see eye to eye on. I think that the Kill Switch Engage self-titled album was starting over on it, is fucking trash. Hot garbage. Start it on fire. Throw all copies of it in a fucking wood chipper. Wow. Never speak of it again. Wow, dude. To me, it was like ultimate kill switch sellout music. Garbage. Holy Terrible. shit. Wow. When I heard starting over, I'm like, this is the end. This is the end of Kill Switch Engage right here. Wow. When I heard, can we start again? I'm like, 
Since when is Kill Switch emo? What the fuck is this bullshit? Wow, dude. So, I think it's irretrievable, irrevocably trash. Just garbage. The entire album? The entire album. No. That entire thing just dumps toxic waste on the rest of the fucking album. Fucking get out of here. Leave your own house. <laughs> There's no fucking way. <laughs> Starting Over is a silly song. I will obviously admit that. Plus, I watched the video. I was like, it was like MTV premiere. And like, everybody in the video is like, oh my god, wind machine. Oh, <laughs> the wind is going so hard. I was just saying, isn't there like a scene where like Howard is like in the middle of like, I want to say like I see a scene where like Howard's in like the middle of traffic. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you can see, like, headlights and, like, taillights, like, whirring past them. The entire video is that. And it's, like... The entire video is I'm that. S- I'm sorry. I didn't realize that Killswitch Engage is fucking snow, matru- snow Patrol now. Is he gonna fucking just lay in the middle of the fucking intersection next and just fucking... <laughs> First off, Snow Patrol is a way better song. Light up. Light up. Anyway... <laughs> The Killswitch video I thought was funny because everybody in the video, except Killswitch, was destroyed by the wind machine. Everybody else was like jamming out while the cars are going 8,000 miles an hour and there's like a man and a woman going, oh, reaching out to you, my love, newspapers, can we do this? I thought it was silly, but the album itself is way different than that song. Backstory, Brendan O'Brien, I'm like 95% positive, produced Mastodon's major label debut first. Then he was like, let's fucking hook up Killswitch, because Mastodon's good as fuck. Let's hook up Killswitch. So what he decided to do was push Howard Jones' vocals to the forefront, and the songwriting did nothing but support his vocals. So Howard was so much front and center. I don't think that was what broke up the band. I think it was just Howard going through a lot of fucking depression and, like, diabetes and dark shit. And you feel that shit in the fucking performances. Two songs... No, three songs in particular. Take Me Away. Uh, Lost. Which is, like, the fucking crown jewel of that album. And then there's a song called This Is Goodbye. And Save Me, too. Maybe four. There's four songs on the album... Where Howard, like, you can hear him, like, kind of, like, almost reaching out for help. He's singing so hard. The rest of the album, like, it's all just to support his voice and the words, the lyrics. And, like, when I read interviews in Guitar Center, they said this. They did this on purpose. It was, like, an artistic choice to just make Howard's performance. And, like, Brendan O'Brien was like, yeah, I pushed the fuck out of Howard. And, like, he, like... Blew his voice out trying to do this fucking album. He busted his ass for this album. So, like, when I listen to it, it affects me a lot, especially those four songs. Lost in particular. Because when you listen to that song, it's such a simple song. It's like fucking two power chords, and it's like, it's all just Howard just like pleading and just fucking screaming out. And it's like, God damn, dude. Like, you don't really hear Killswitch do that only on that album. And it sticks out in my mind big time, even see, now. See, I know, like, you're, you're making your point, and I'm over here just smirking and, like, giggling to myself because 
when you're when you were naming albums and or when you're naming songs, you're like three, no four. All I could think of in my head was Monty Python, Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Where Michael Palin's like, our main weapon is surprise, surprise and fear. Two weapons, two weapons. Now, surprise, fear, and uh, <laughs> ruthless efficiency. And uh, almost, <laughs> what is the last part? And almost fanatical devotion. <laughs> four, four weapons. Um, I would like to think I don't have as much hesitancy in my voice, but fuck it. No, but like that's all I can keep. That's all I can hear in my head. I like I like being on the chopping block. Hit me up, man. I'm never. I'm rarely ever on the chopping block for my opinions. No, granted, granted, I will give you that. There are good album. There there may be good songs on the album, but to me, like you do the Pepsi challenge. With kill switch albums, compared to that one, you do fucking end of heartache, you know, uh, as daylight dies, Oof. you know, alive or just breathing. Like you do any of those, even the Jesse albums, you do the Pepsi challenge against that fucking album with any of the others. That album does not stand a motherfucking chance at all. I would I would argue that the Kill Switch self-titled is for when you're feeling super vulnerable and you need to cry. That's your go-to. See, that's daylight for me. Really? That's as daylight dies I wanna, for me. I want to punch everybody when I hear daylight. No, that's... I mean... <laughs> Reject yourself? I'm ready to punch the fucking mirror. You crazy? I, you know, I was actually just listening to Daylight in the shower earlier. But, like, if you want to cry, Arms of Sorrow... Yeah. My curse. For you. For you. I have a storm. Let's go. And then at the end, Howard's a motherfucker because, you know, at the end of the album, he puts this fire because he's like, even through the dark, even through the darkest days, this fire burns always. So he's like, yeah, everything may be shitty now, but you got the fucking... There's a fire in you that keeps going. Like, I hear the self-title, especially starting over. And I'm just like, I want to fucking just burn everything to the ground. Because <laughs> it just makes me so angry. Because it just, there's no... My Curse is probably like the most known Kill Switch song. Agreed. Like, there is passion behind the words, the vocals, the music, the melody, all of it. Starting over just feels so paint-by-numbers. Radio. Yeah, it's radio, going through the motions. And, I'm like, this is something that I tell you all the time. Like, I can't listen to shit that's constantly on the radio. Like, me and you, we like we like more of the, like, the one that's really come out in the past the past year that you and I have just been listening to ad nauseum on repeat would be, like, Spirit Box. And Loathe. Yeah, Spirit Box and Loathe. And, like, you know they're not going to play fucking Spirit Box, fucking Holy Roller on the fucking radio, like, fucking Courtney LaPlante's splitting fucking black tar. However, big sidebar. Have you heard the new Loathe singles that they put out? No. 
So they had guest people come in to do collabs. And have you heard of the band Sleep Token? Uh-uh. So Sleep Token is... I think I sent you a video they did. They did a song. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the fucking song now. It's escaping me, which is, like, super embarrassing. But it's called Alkaline. I think I sent this to you. I was like, this band's fucking sick. They did a piano arrangement for Loathe. Just piano. And, like, vocal harmonies. And I was like... Oof. Deftones did the same shit. Chino's voice, classical guitar, banger. This band, you've got the dude's voice, Kadeem, and fucking the guy from Sleep Token and Piano doing harmonies. I was like, this shit. If you could take a gent song and then fucking a piano arrangement, this is what we're looking for. The evolution of music, dude. Of metal. And I and again, like, that's the kind of shit I'm looking for. I don't want I don't like I listen to things that they play on the radio. Like if I'm hanging out like with like my sister or something and like we're in the car and like she has the radio on. I cannot listen to the radio anymore because all of it just sounds so identical to each other. There's one band I do like. Have you heard the song, this song called, um, Kill All the Beautiful Things by a band called Dead? No. I actually like that song, but simple rock radio songs can still exist and thrive, but you have to try to, you gotta try to, like, stand out. A lot of bands don't. Pop Evil is a huge example. When Pop Evil came out, I was like... Oh, this dude sounds like Dave Grohl. Let me check him out. And, like, there was a long time where they were, like, Nickelback light. Yeah. I'm, I'm with the devil's daughter. I'm going in the car. We're going, she going to touch my dick. <laughs> Fuck out of here. All of a sudden, they did a song called, what is it called? Um, I'm climbing the stairwell or I'm climbing the staircase or something, like, going up to the mountaintops or some shit. I'm like, okay, you sound like yourself. Then they put out another song where they had whammy pedal and gent guitar riffs. And I'm like, you guys are chasing trends again. Can you guys just fucking sound like yourself? Please. Like, very tiny example. Look at what we do. You and I, we decided to just do kind of folk slash metal instrumentals. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that shit is... In its own lane, and it's it works. I like that. I want to pursue and look for and seek out bands that just do their own shit regardless of trends. Yeah, I that's I I'm you and I are in like a creative space now where like we're cooking. We did an EP. We did a fucking album. We got more shit coming. We're cooking. Dude. Which I mean, if you haven't checked it out already, please please do. We have an EP. Um, songs for your sleeping that's on YouTube. We have a album, a full blown album, totally free on YouTube. No ads. No ads. It's called Snow Light. Those of you that have listened to it already, we appreciate you. Just we're just fucking around, but we're passionately fucking around. All about it. Right. I mean, over the last year, there has been only one. Thing that, like, you had not sent me that I had discovered on my own 
that I was like, whoa. And I was like really blown away. And I still listen to this. When I found out TikTok, it was a cover of another song that somebody else had done. And her name was Sarah Catherine, I think her name is. And that's as the world caves in, she did, that was a cover of another artist. And her version was just way better. Blows his ass out of the water. <laughs> but like, and it's super simple. Because it's just, it's a very, there's a very subdued kind of piano melody behind her. It kind of reminds me of like old jazz. It's just very subdued instrumental behind her. And this is what you were talking about. This is kind of a circular thing to the the Killswitch album, putting the vocals out in the forefront. Yeah. She's got such a powerful voice that you don't hear the actual music. Like, the music really doesn't come to the front until the chorus and both crescendo at the same time. And the crescendo between both, because she's going into... She's going into a high note, and the melody below her is going into like almost like a major to minor transition. Mm. It works so well together. And then as soon as the music crescendos and she comes out of the chorus, it goes back to the subdued. She's singing real softly, the music is real soft under her, and it repeats the process. It doesn't have to be, and that's, we talked about this in the Snow White's Poison Bite Gadung. My main problem nowadays with music, including the Kill Switch album, is that people think too much about how shit has to be produced. To be honest, over the past couple of years, I find my shit getting in... I find myself listening to more lo-fi stuff than anything else. Yeah, ambient. I like the lo-fi where it sounds like you're listening to, you know, the needle on the record. And there's bits and pieces, like even with my music, I would almost consider some of the stuff I write to be lo-fi. It has some imperfections in it. You can hear that I'm actually playing stuff. You can hear that my pick is hitting the guitar or I'm messing up and hitting an extra string or whatever. I, I love that. I first heard Killswitch, it was my last serenade with Jesse, and I was like, oh, man, this, this band fucking nuts. Like, let's go. And then I was like, oh, they already got a new singer? That's fucked up. Then I heard uh, Fixation of the Darkness, and I'm like, oh, okay. Nasty. All right, fucking, all right, let's Nasty. go. Nasty. Then, like, they were, like, quiet. All of a sudden, Rosa Sharon came out, and I'm like, Oh fuck! This is way different. See, it's so it's so funny because the first song I ever heard from Killswitch, you know, I was I was in our communications tech class, which was a first and second period class. It was an English credit and a tech credit, and we got to basically, you know, we got to fuck around because we ran like the school newspaper. And, like, they let us listen to music and do shit, like, while we Kinda were... Kind of like my high school, too. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm walking past some of the cooler guys in class, and I hear, dun, 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 
I hear the opening of Alive or Just Breathing. And I'm like, huh, who the hell is this? And they're like, this is Kill Switch and Cage. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I just kind of let it pass. And I'm like, eh, you know. And then I heard the save. I heard Fixation on the Darkness. And I went, all right, all right, I'm starting to feel you guys. He's got my attention. To, yeah. What really made me fall in love with Kill Switch, though, was the first time I heard This Is Absolution. That's a great fucking song. When I heard This Is Absolution, and, you know, you get the that opening, that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
fuck is this? But the fucking drums go off. John Molly like, fucking kills that shit. Or like fucking vicinity of vicinity. Banana 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 terracotta banana terracotta terracotta pie. It's like, what the hell? But then he offsets that shit. So I kind of see your point, but like he offsets that shit with like songs like You Fig with Tentative. Oh my god. Because like tentative, you and fig you is fig. the motherfucker, dude. You fig is the fucking jam, dude. You can fucking still listen to fucking you fig. And go. Where do you expect us to go when the bombs? Where fall? do you expect us to go when the bombs fall? I'm still waiting for people to start singing that now. Right, that shit's coming. Where do you expect <laughs> us to go when the bombs fall? Don't don't fucking play, dude. Dude, that's down. That album, like that shit, was written like 15 years ahead of time. Yeah, because when did fucking when did hypnotize come out? Oh five. I was going to say, because I was still living in Wisconsin at that point. I didn't even fucking even think about living in Illinois at that Yeah. Point. But I can't, I got that album the day it came out. The day it came out. Yeah, I got a burned copy of Mesmerized, and I, when Hypnotized came out, I went, I went to fucking I co- was, Coconuts in Chicago. I, I was <laughs> so fucking mad, because when Steal This Album first came out... That was all three, it? Yeah, I had one of the original Vartan Malkian... Original uh, limited edition steal this albums. Oh no shit! It was the it looked like the two ladies bending over. Where the fuck did you get that at? I got it at uh, on on cue in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Whoa! Um, and I was doing a project in Comtech where I was. I love you so much. And <laughs> if this is anybody else, I would lie out of my fucking ass. I love you one. too, buddy. <laughs> but you know my history with backyard wrestling. Yeah. I The had, pod knows. <laughs> I actually was creating a website like the WWE like page for my wrestling organization. Oh, fuck yeah. And I had entrance themes on there. It was total MySpace age shit. So an entrance seems on there that you could play if you click the button. This is like deep Tim Lord. Yeah, I had embedded pictures, embedded marquees. Like yes, dude, this website was fucking well done, and I wrote all this in Microsoft Word. No Dreamweaver, no URL assistant, no debugging program. This was just me writing it, and (laughs) I had left the CD. In the, in the CD tray, I was running late to another class. I had come back after that class and the CD was gone. Oh, fuck. And by the time I went to go buy another one, I was stuck with the one that everybody else had that looked like the bird CD. Huh. I was so fucking angry. Man. Because I cannot, for the life of me, find the Vartan Malkium one. Where the, look on eBay, dude. Where the fuck is the eBay shit? Like, how much is it worth now? I want to see, dude. Like, can you show me the artwork? Because I've never heard of the fucking Vartan Steelers album. Like, when I heard Steelers album, I, I've only seen, like, the fucking fake, uh, like, the like, There were the, four of them. The blank CDs you get at fucking Walmart. <laughs> no, nope, there, there were four of them. Which, by the way, two minutes to late night... They were doing the high school CD reviews. I found two mix like mix CDs like booklets. Mm. We might have to fucking. Do you have a CD player somewhere in this house, dude? Oh, look! There it is, right there. You found it. 
Yeah, allow the cookies. That's the one. That's so far. That's the one I had. It looks like a like vagina, like a dual like dueling vagina. It's supposed to be, from what I read, this is supposed to be two women, one's bent over and one's on her back. That's like like dueling vaginas. That's sick. yeah. That was two thousand two. Sick. That was two thousand two when that came out. That That's... was a limited print. Oh. Twenty-one dollars, baby. It's only twenty-one dollars. Buy it. Fuck it. I don't have a CD player anymore. God damn it, Billy. Those are dead. <laughs> Those are naked dead. God damn it, damn it. Yeah, here are the four limited editions right here. So you have this black one here that looks kind of like a skull. Yeah. This red one, this blue one, and then this one here. That's some gangster shit. I'm digging it. But, like, that album was great, too, because that one had fucking, even Chicken Stew, which was fucking goofy and just didn't make any sense. Walk in the refrigerator, door's closed, lights are out, but I'm gonna go! <laughs> like, I didn't even, like, when, uh, when fucking Scorpion King soundtrack came out, and I heard Streamline, and I was like, oh, fuck, they're coming uh, back. Uh, uh, and the thing was, is that wasn't even, like, a separate album. That was, those were all B-sides. B-sides from Toxicity. All B-sides from Toxicity. Yeah, I can't fuck with them, dude. They're one of the best bands. So, Toxicity already was what? 2001. Well, no, how many tracks were on it? 13? Yeah. Including Arto, which was... Which was then it's kind of fucking around. Mm-hmm. Here's their buddy Arto, who was an Armenian artist, and then John the Lion. So Serge and Darren weren't even involved in that. Which I think song. I think Arto is related to the singer from the Apex Theory. That could be right. I could be totally wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure but, that's true. And then there was fucking sixteen songs on fucking Steal This Album. So they wrote an entire they wrote fucking twenty nine goddamn songs for Toxicity. Yeah, dude, they 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 did that with Rick Rubin, so they fucking like they emptied the chambers on that shit. Dude. I feel like after they left left Rick Rubin, like they kind of lost their way. I think Rick kind of because they were on American with Rick at that point, and they did the self titled Toxicity and Steal This Album with Rick. Yeah, and then after that, I forget who was producing. And I th- want to say they had left American Records by that point too. It might be self producing it. Yeah. But I mean even the fucking shit I I honestly I don't know I think you said that you haven't heard some of their fucking stuff that wasn't on the albums like Storage have you ever heard have you ever heard Storage? No. Spine, line, the fetus is mine, don't forget me, don't forget me, don't forget me, don't you've never heard that song before? No, sir. So that's storage. Honey? Honey, the babysitter's here. Honey, it's 8 o'clock. You've never heard that song either? No, sir. Man, I'm going to have to get you on this shit. Johnny? I listened to Johnny. Okay. Johnny was fucking good. Hello, my name is Johnny. Last time we talked, you told me like, yo, listen to Johnny. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. Johnny was like one of the first songs they made together as System of a Down. I like Johnny a lot. Yeah. It sounds like different people. It didn't sound like the same dudes. Yeah. Which I like. Temper? Temper was fucking real good. I was going to say, that's, that's, that's another one where they expect us to go when the bombs fall. That's, well, we want peace, well, we want peace with Patriot missiles. 
Drop them all on civilian targets. Yeah, fucking... Dude, their writing is sharp. Yeah. They never stop being sharp. When that new shit came out, I know you and I probably disagree a little bit about protect the land and gen- genocidal humanoids, but, yeah. like, they still got it in them. Slaves of the chosen ones. They paying st- millions for each bomb. They still have it in them to fucking put out oh, bangers, yeah. dude. Yeah. Um, they just can't get along enough to fucking do it. But no. they still have it in them to, like, light the world on fire for uh, a, yeah, a minute. You've heard Marmalade before, I've taken. I listen to... Okay, when you when you told me about Johnny and, like, the old shit, I listened to three tracks. It was John. It was Johnny, Temper, and then maybe Marmalade. That was about it. Okay. But the storage shit, I don't know. I don't fucking know that one. Marmalade is, like... That's, like, the best song I think they haven't released. Really? Yeah. Marmalade is fucking... Here, I'll play you a little bit of it. Don't fucking copyright strike me, goddammit. <laughs> Okay. This is for the Patreon. Wait, we don't have a Patreon. All our shit is free. <laughs> Just listen and like our stuff, because we love you. Like, comment, subscribe. Tim, you want to do the falsetto? Hold on. Give me a minute. Let me play this for you first. Oh, okay. And then we will try falsetto, which I will probably epically bomb. What year was Marmalade written? Is that like also 97? 97, 96? An age ago? Hold on. Look at some new metal lore, people. Would you... Where do you rank this movie down in your top top bands? Number one? Over Killswitch? There is, there is no Killswitch... There is no System of a Down song I do not know. Fuck that. That's crazy. Hell yeah, dude. I know all their entire catalog. Hell yeah, dude. Let's go. Uh, Fing Fang Foom is its real name. It's a big-ass dragon, dude. Yeah, that's that's legit the they, name. They couldn't think of a better better name than Fing Fang Fang Foom. Hey, I didn't write the shit back in the 70s. It just is what it is. Somebody <laughs> was doing too many fucking drugs. <laughs> Somebody didn't want to get canceled 30 years from now. <laughs> they were riding that line. But Shang-Chi is good. I feel like the one, the problem with Shang-Chi is that the fights are too bloodless. Talk to the people about nobody. Talk to them. Tell them about it. Man. Okay, so I heard a lot of talk about nobody. And Kate really wanted to watch it. And, like, it's Bob Odenkirk. You know, Mr. Show, great. So I'm like, fuck it, let's watch it. Dude, first 15, 20 minutes in it. Just completely in it. By the end of the movie, Kate and I looked at each other and were like, I want to watch that motherfucking movie again. So immediately immersed yeah. in the world. Because, I mean, I'm going to try and keep this as spoiler-free as possible, but they... Kind of paint Bob Odenkirk as like this milk toast, like real bland dude. He works at, you know, his father-in-law's factory is kind of a middleman. And, you know, he hasn't touched his wife in fucking three years. You wow. Know, kind of thing. Come to find out this dude is just fucking the badass. Like, he makes John Wick like look like a fucking high school principal. 
No way. Yeah. And, like, he's cleared out entire rooms. There's one scene with a fucking bus, and, like, there's, like, these Russians are ha- harassing this one girl. And he gets the fucking bus driver off the bus, and he's like, I'm gonna kill all of you. And, like, he, Wait, he says that? Did, I forget exactly what he says. He says it with more tact, but, like, <laughs> dude, he basically's like, I'm gonna fuck all you guys up. Him, by himself, Bob Odenkirk, who's fucking, hold on. How old is fucking Bob Odenkirk's ass he's, now? He's gotta be like 50. Like, he's gotta be at least 50. He's like 140 pounds. He ain't fucking around, dude. Bob Odenkirk is 59 years old. Yo. He turns 60 in October. Let's go. So, they come at him with a knife and he just fucking, like, he... He's doing shit where he's choking one guy to death with a fucking seatbelt while stabbing the other with a fucking knife. Like, this is the baddest shit ever. Then they get Christopher fucking Lloyd involved. Doc, Doc Br- Brown. Doc Brown is in this movie? his fucking dad. Doc his, Brown's his dad? Yeah, Doc Brown is his dad. Holy shit. And, like, these people go after his dad. His dad fucking shoots one of them in the stomach with a shotgun. He's in a nursing home. The orderly comes to check on him. He's like, told you you got to keep the TV down. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. My bad. He's holding the guy with his fucking mouth like this. The dude's fucking dying in his arms. He's fucking holding his mouth while he's dying. Jesus Christ. I'm like, this is the baddest motherfucking movie I've ever seen in my <laughs> This is like John life. Wick's like old cousins dude, like fucking around. Dude. This, Hell yeah, this, dog. This, nobody was by far... The best movie I have seen in a long time. This is, <laughs> it, that movie had to be top top five, top three at the very least. Hell yeah, of all time. This so, this place in the Shang Chi. So let's keep going. Yeah. So what with what you were talking about with Bloodless, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be blood, but like how the fights are set up, and how the stuff is choreographed, is key. It's crucial. Big time. Because it keeps you interested. Like, even, like, watching fights, like, from Matrix 2. Makes you feel for the character. Where, like, with, like, Keanu and I forget who the Oracle's bodyguard is. Seraph. Thank you. Seraph. Where Seraph is fucking, you know, he's like, first I must apologize. And they have that big fight on the fucking tables. And they're jumping from table to table. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You remember when... That first came out. Oh, yeah. And it was lorded for its fight cinematography. Fucking excellent. That shit is important. Big time. So if you're focusing your movie on Shang-Chi, which I'm assuming is probably martial arts kind of... Oh, yeah. Infused. Big time. If it's got to do with martial arts, fight choreography is going to be the shit that people are going to watch out for in that movie. I feel like with Shang-Chi, I feel, after watching it, it was missing that element of nobody or John Wick where, like, the grounded, like, get your fucking ass whooped, pick yourself up, fight. Like, when you're doing a kung fu kind of movie, kung fu style movie, like the Iron Fist, like Luke Cage, like Shang-Chi, you need that. Not even stuff like that. Look at... I mean, I know um, there might not be a whole lot of people that know this, but like, look at the Punisher with Thomas Jane. Punisher, not just not even not just Thomas Jane, but the John Bernthal Punisher too. Yeah, like 
the fucking shit when Punisher, John Bernthal Punisher's in the prison. And Kingpin's like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking walk out of this fucking prison. Because I, I run this shit. Good luck. And it's just a hallway of John Bernthal and then fucking dudes. And John Bernthal has to horribly murder these fucking dudes. <laughs> but Eternals... Here's what Eternals is, Tim. Hey, Tim, I want to introduce you to characters that are celestial, that are space-related to the MCU, okay? Okay. How many characters are you comfortable with learning about in a single film? You tell me right now, personally. Sexually. Sexually. <laughs> Intimately. Intimately. I don't know. I I think you're I think you're going far if you do over I think like four or five would be a magic number. Four or five, right? Four or five's good. We're about a magic number. Okay, how about nine? How about no? How about nine? How about you don't? How about fucking nine? How Tim? about no? Here's the deal. Not only do you have nine eternals, you also have Jon Snow, Kit Harrington. As the Black Knight of Marvel. So technically you have fucking... Ten! New characters to learn about... In one movie. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Well, like I told you... The reviews I read... They said the only one that didn't look like he completely phoned in his performance... Was Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail did a good job. Kumail's like... Borat. And he has like... The producer with the camera... That's like, they took that straight from fucking Borat. I'm not going to shit on it, but it's like, you ripped that from Borat a thousand percent, but I'm not going to shit on it. I get a window with a step. He get a window with a step. Like, they were like, there was a moment where they're like inches away from wrestling naked on a hotel bed. (laughs) (laughs) They were that close in fucking Eternals, but Borat, they stole that shit from Borat a thousand percent. I get the clock radio. Radio. Anyway. Great success. So, the idea behind Eternals is you have nine fucking characters and then they're spaced out based on the teachings of one celestial. They go out, <coughs> excuse me, beer, and they beer. teach humans the secrets, the technology, the knowledge, the fucking, these different aspects to enrich that culture, right? So you have one character that runs fast, and they go in and they fucking change moments in history. And you have one character that's super fucking technological, and they introduce new technology to these fucking humans that are sorely stupid. And you have one character that is basically like like a manipulator, and they can control minds, and they can like control and like Take over a person's mind and make them do something to, like, you know, anchor the course of fucking history. And you have, like, Gilgamesh, the fucking great warrior of our time. And you have Icarus, who's not, like, a person who flies and, like, their wings melt. They're, like, a dude who, like, flies and has, like, fucking, like, energy beams. And they're, like, technically Superman, but they're played by fucking Rob Stark, which is, like, weird. And then you have, um, Cersei, who is not Cersei from Game of Thrones... But Cersei is an Asian woman who basically could, like, change matter. So, like, 
hey, this wall is falling on me. I'm going to touch it, and it turns into cherry blossoms. Bang. <laughs> totally fine. I'm not going to shit on that. That's just that's her power. That's her journey. That's her deal. That's fine. I'm going to make out with Jon Snow in the corner. That's sick as fuck. That's her journey. You have one celestial being that's telling these nine characters to fucking go in, play one specific role, do not deviate from the role, do not make humans better than what they should be based on what I tell you to make them. Right? Problem is, your movie is two hours and 45 fucking no. minutes. No. Dog. No. Dog. You are not Mario motherfucking Puzo. This is not the Godfather. Dog. Not when I tell you this movie did not need to be this fucking long. Let me give you the most egregious example first. Characters to keep track of. Those four, three or four main characters go and find Brian Terry Henry. They find Paperboy. Before they actually talk to him, they do a flashback to Hiroshima. Out of nowhere, if you want to talk to me about tonal whiplash. <laughs> Randomness. You go from joke, ha ha ha, joking and token, to Hiroshima. And it tells you, August 1945, Hiroshima. Here's a fucking CGI background of sadness. Green screen of rubble. And Brian Tyree is trying to cry to Selma Hayek about like, I gave the humans technology and they fucking did this. Uh. Immediate. Immediate cut to. Not even like, feel the weight of my decision. Not even like, feel the weight of, of these humans... Fucking taking for granted the gift that we as gods give them. Immediate transfer to 2022, 2022 Chicago. I'm a gay father in a gay relationship with a kid. And now you want to come to my house and you want to recruit me? You want to punch my Ikea table from the trailer? That moment from the trailer when it punches the Ikea table was... Tag teamed from Hiroshima. Can we talk about how fucking retarded that is? Gay, gay, gay man, gay marriage, gay children. Not enough gay in the world can gay fix IT, that shit. Gay IKEA table. Not enough gay in the world is gonna correct your shitty decision to go from Hiroshima to fucking gay. Like that to me is like a huge slap in the face. I paused the movie, looked at my wife, and said. That sucked. That was bad. I never do that. You go from Hiroshima to like, yeah, I'm gay now and humans are okay, I guess. I guess I'll save them. You gotta be fucking kidding me, dog. Please tell me you understand what I mean. <laughs> that is fucking horseshit. Here's the crazy part. Here's the crazy thing. So, I actually, just a couple weeks ago, I watched... I watched some gay porn. <laughs> I watched some gay porn. I, know, I totally he agree with you. Really, he was really giving it to him, too. Uh, I actually watched a DC movie that was decent. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Shazam. In contrast to what you're saying was shitty storytelling and fucking... 
oversaturation of fucking characters. Yeah. Shazam kept it very simple. You had fucking Shazam. You had his fucking foster brother. The foster parents, Mark Strong. And like a detective. Great fucking... Okay, two scenes stick out big time. Foster parents doing their best. Nope. The scene when he meets his real mom. Yeah. That was great storytelling. From what you're talking about, like, that shit sounds like a convoluted fucking mess. It's a huge mess. It's just throwing a whole bunch of characters on a fucking wall and hoping at least one sticks. The problem, the problem too, like, and not to cut you off, do you have more shit to say? No, go ahead. Asian Cersei. Because, like, in my mind, Cersei is Lena Headey. Like, that's Cersei. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Asian Cersei, she's designed to be the leader of the Eternals, not Rob Stark. So, you see where this is going. Mm-hmm. It's building towards something. Do you want to know the spoilers, my brother? Go it, ahead. The two and a half hour movie. I know it's a lot to go through. I will take that. I will fall on that dagger for you. So, the spoiler is, the celestial that put the human that put the Eternals on Earth, it was to build them up, for consumption. Mm. The idea is that there's a fucking celestial that's gonna come up and consume the Earth's energy. And the Eternals are there to just build them up for their greatest potential. And then that's going to be consumed by another Celestial. So it's like another form of Galactus without being Galactus. Which is fine. I was just going to ask him, like, so Galactus then? Pretty much. So you have Rob Stark being the facilitator of that change. So he's like, hey Selma Hayek, we need to fucking start making these humans food. So who is the big bad in Eternals? Nobody. I'm going to tell you why. So, as the story progresses, Selma Hayek as Ajax is the one who's facilitating the Eternals, placating them while the Celestial tells them the humans trust the humans, have faith in the humans. The entire time, we want them to be food, their batteries for our fucking Celestial shit. So Selma Hayek is like, no, I love humans. I don't want to eat them. And Rob Stark's like, fuck you. Shove you off into a cliff. Die. And I'm going to take your corpse. Bring it to the Eternals. Someone killed Selma Hayek. We must band together. He, he, he fucking facilitates. He lies and facilitates unity to bring them together to bring like the world changer the world engine if you're going to use dc terms the yeah. world engine back to fucking take the humans and turn them into food for the celestial it's fucking convoluted as fuck see and that's that's where that's where it also gets me tim's like it. tim's guy got his dick out he's like fuck this shit yeah. he's like i'm gonna come on this fucking floor. Like shazam <laughs> shazam again you know you had limited limited characters in that and it was Billy Basson versus fucking Mark Strong. Great fucking story. Too. And Mark Strong was fucking like... Mark Strong had the fucking demons in him. He had fucking, you know, the... The... What is it? Pride, wrath, sloth... Uh, 
Pride, Wrath, Sloth, Envy. Can't remember all the seven deadlies right now. Greed. Greed. Gluttony. Gluttony. But, you know, at the end of the movie, he fucking provokes all the seven deadlies to come out of Mark Strong. And then he's left with one. He's left with Envy. And he convinces Envy to come out. And that's how he defeats Mark Strong, is he gets all the seven deadlies out of him. But the next fucking, the next, the next uh, Shazam movie is going to be Shazam versus fucking Black Adam. Like, what is the purpose of this movie? This movie feels like a placeholder to set up future storylines for other characters. Other side characters. It does nothing to further MCU. The problem with Shang-Chi, it does nothing to further the storyline of the MCU. Like, Phase 1, 2, and 3 was what? Thanos. Infinity, right? Yeah. Phase 4, what what are we going towards? Like, Loki was the only show that was like, yo, King the Conqueror, he's running the shit, multiverse, we're going to have to fight infinite versions of this dude, it's going to be gangster shit. Everything else has been like, nonsense. Fucking literally nonsense, dude. So, I am kind of worried. That's my thing. My boss said to watch What If, too. Oh, okay. He said that What If, like, if you watch that, Spider-Man, like, what happens when Spider-Man makes more sense, I guess. Okay. Is that true? I I haven't watched What If. I haven't fucking watched it. I have not. So I can't tell you, my brother. I'm sorry. Damn it, you let me down there. I guess after two episodes of shit, I've let you down. <laughs> How could you do this to me? Top ten anime betrayals of all time. Shit, I guess... I don't even know what to say to you right now. Don't even look at me. Don't look at me, look at the ceiling. <laughs> don't watch Eternals. <laughs> watch Shang-Chi. Eternals is kind of trash. I... I like Dark World... And Eternals is worse than Dark World, in my opinion. <laughs> Eternals, I had less enjoyment out of Eternals than I had out of fucking New Mutants and Dark Phoenix. There you go. Take that how you will. <laughs> Feel that. Say say something about that. Have feelings. Give me your feelings, goddammit. Feelings time. He's gonna play guitar. I'm feeling. I'm just gonna let Tim play guitar out of frustration. Yeah. Shit, I don't know if Eddie Van Halen showed up. The ghost of EVH. You're welcome. I'm fucked. <laughs> My Eternals rant is done, Tim. What are your thoughts? Do you have any fucking... Dude, I'm so glad you got this Shazam shit out. That was like a perfect comparison. But this Eternal shit is trash, dog. Trash. I have a feeling... (laughs) Even watching it on Disney Plus, I'm going to demand my money back. I've not heard a good thing about it yet. Not a fucking thing. And I... Dude, I've been watching MCU since 2008. 2010. 2008. Fucking, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. 
But they fucked up. The, this Turtle Shrimp was the first movie. I was like, no, nah, this, this movie sucks, dude. You blank man in this motherfucker. <laughs> what is it, David Allen Greer? Come on, Sammy. Shoot me. <laughs> Say goodbye to other guys. <laughs> Your band, shoot me. Come on, Sammy. Shoot me. <laughs> Only my costume. To Miss Bulletproof. Stupid. Holy fuck, Blank Man is that motherfucking movie, dude. That movie's so stupid, it's great. You know, the movie is great, nobody talks about Meteor Man. Never watched that one. Really? Nope. Robert Townsend moving fucking meteors and, like, cars and shit. Bill Cosby's nope. in it. Fucking, he's gonna fucking, like, drug people with Spanish flying. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> is, that, is that pre-roofie or post-roofie? Yeah, that's during roofie. That's, that's like... In the middle of. Do you like the jello pudding? <laughs> it's like, hey, smell this. Oh no, you're in my chamber of touch ass. I'm gonna jerk you off in the middle of my. 